Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. We are back after a week break. Both Dave and I were were under the weather and, and just couldn't quite pull it together. Um, you know, we, we've done this now for... Well, up until last week, 63 weeks straight with no breaks. And every now and then something just comes and and takes it away. And that was last week. So, Dave, how are you? How are you feeling? I am feeling much, much better. Uh, still a little bit of latent fatigue, honestly. Uh, that, uh, you know, uh, the COVID was mild. Me and my children had it. We caught it from my daughter's school that had a mask optional policy. And she only went back in person for eight days. And there we were. But fortunately, uh, Omicron is mild-ish. We are all vaccinated. Uh, Symptoms were fever and congestion and just kind of chronic fatigue. So we were down but okay. Uh, cooked dinner, did dishes, did all those things, and then went back to the couch. I got to spend a lot of time with my kids, which was nice. That was the nice part of it. Uh, I wouldn't want to relive the experience, but we're doing all right. Yeah, my my mom currently has COVID. And so I've been trying to stay away from home. I live, I live with my parents currently. You know, it's being a, a single parent and having little kids um, having their help is, is invaluable. And, and so when they offered that, I, I jumped all over it, but it, what it means is in situations like this, it's tricky. So, um, she, and my mom is, um, immune. She has a a compromised immune system. So even with her, um, she got it, but it's not, it hasn't been terrible. She's also vaccinated. She's had COVID already. Um, so she seems to be doing a lot better than, you know, than the first time she had it. So that's good. It's, it's just, it's such a wild time we live in and, you know, just again, encourage everybody just to stay safe. And here we are glad everybody's, you know, coming out of this. Okay. So that's, that's good news. Yeah. No, I mean, not too bad. All's well that ends well. That's not, uh, you know, again, not exactly my favorite thing to do, but, uh, Hey, we'll take it and we are back. Yes, absolutely. So we're coming back. We're going to go ahead and skip over the week. If you didn't read the article that Dave wrote up, kind of talking about summarizing what we would have talked about, you can go back and look that up on Blazer's Edge. But we're going to go ahead and act as if we're starting just, you know, we're going to go ahead and talk about this last week. So we've got four games. The Mavericks, we lost to the Mavericks. We beat the Rockets, the Houston Rockets. And then we lost to the Chicago Bulls. And we lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder, which is... Of all of them, maybe the worst, maybe the most painful. Uh, didn't see that one coming. One of these things is not like the other, indeed. Yeah, and, and it's not the win. It's not the win in this case that is not like the others. Um, that was a good win. So at least we had one. It's interesting to be at this point in the season and have kind of this shift of sorry i'm laughing because we're hanging our hats on a win against the houston rockets yeah (laughs) it's like shoot me now but you know what it was a pretty fun game to watch it it just was. was they had they played a rousing game and houston had energy and so did portland and it was fun to watch and there we go i mean it's just this is the uh this is the back to tinder moment of blazer fandom when you're going that was a really fun game to watch and we beat the rockets and that's the good thing that happened this week like dripping desperation I found myself in this really weird place and I realized it today when I was interacting on Twitter. I didn't realize this about myself until today. You know, I've always been team no tank. You don't tank. You always do your, you always this, you always that. I've always been very firm about that. I don't think that's ever a a strategy that I love. And I realized today as I was responding on Twitter and saying, 
in my response, you know, at this point, we need to not be trying to get into the play in with everybody that's injured with the fact that we're not going to get out of the first round with the fact that if we make it into the play in, we lose our draft pick. We're just we, we need to not be doing this. And I realized, oh, my gosh, who am I and what have I done with the rainbows and unicorns? And where are we at right now that this is the ultimate ultimate? alternate universe that I'm living in. You put the rainbows in the freezer and the unicorns in the garage and they're going to come back out. But for right now, we're like, yeah, team tank. Woo. I mean, and it's, it you, just, you want it, it to be, so, so look, it's not just that. At some point, you're just rooting for something epically bad to happen, so the game will be really interesting. Either want to win. I mean, win hard-fought games like Houston. That was fun to watch. Like I say, you like that. But if it's yeah. not going to be that, you just want to see like a disaster. You want to see something memorable that's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I saw that. At least that's that's where I am. I'm not rooting for them to lose at all. No. But if they're going to do it, man, do it Make right. Make it pretty. Yeah, you know, I, I same. I'm not rooting for them to lose, but I I think I'm kind of facing this reality that, you know, Dame is out, now Nasir Little's out. We'll talk about that. Um, you know, we've we've got Cody Zeller who's out. We'll talk about that. We've got so many people that are out and so many people that are out coming off of injuries. Danny, I feel like Danny summed it up really well today on Twitter. He said, four of the top eight are out. Two of the remaining eight are banged up with the other two of the top eight just getting off the injury report. So our top eight guys are either out with injury or dealing with injury. And, and it's, you know, when you look at that and you look at the fact that we've got Dame out, we've got Nasir out, those kinds of things like next year. Let's make a run for it next year. Like, well, <laughs> And as we know from our preseason roster talk. You can replace top with only and have an accurate description of that same sentence. Like, it's not our top eight. It's our only eight. I mean, who else is coming? I mean, God bless Ben McLemore. He's doing great. Love it. I love watching Ben McLemore. Well done. And carving a place in this league for next year at least. So, yeah, thumbs up. Dennis Smith Jr., love watching you too. It's great. But come on. When you're talking about, like, okay, this team is going to succeed. If you started those two, you'd be going, man, your front court better be LeBron and Joel Embiid and, you know, Kevin Durant, because otherwise that guard duo is not adequate. Yeah, I, it's, we started the season saying all eight have to play well, all eight have to be healthy, and it's like zero of these things are happening on a nightly basis. So what do well, you expect? And we're not the only ones in the league facing this. You know, this is something that is is happening. I, I, was, I was looking at the lineup for the Lakers the other night, and I thought, oh, well, that's an interesting choice. Um, so we're not the only ones that are, that are facing this. There are other teams that are dealing with this as well. But I think at this point, you look at what we've got, especially with Dame, and especially the fact that, again, we want to build around him. We want to give him at least a shot. You know, with all the changes that have taken place over the season, with having a new GM that will possibly make some changes, I think what we do is we let this season go. We chalk it up to this was a season of a lot of change, of a lot of difficulty, of pushing through and getting some things done, and we go for it next season. And, and you know, that with the wait, trade deadline— Wait, hold on. Getting some things done? What what well, things we got, done? We got rid of we got rid of Neil Olshay. Oh, okay, you mean like off the court or trades? I call that getting something done. Okay, you know, I thought got, I thought on got, the court. It's like on well, the court. What are they getting, doing? Losing and his own defense. That's surgery. what we got done. We got an injury that he's been dealing with for three years. We got Dame surgery. I get it. You know, so so things are getting done, just maybe not in the way that we were hoping at the beginning of the season. We've got enough but, L's to fill Fibber McGee's closet. That's what we did. I mean, it's great. Sorry, that reference is too old for you. It's but, also too old for me. I mean, this is like my great grandma's. But hey, yay, all, all you folks who are listening out there who got that. So, so we're... We go into next season and and hopefully we're in a different place. You know, the, the trade deadline's coming up. There's all the speculation around the trade deadline. Personally, I don't think much is going to happen. We've kind of talked about this here. I, I think probably some kind of move will be made to get us under the repeaters tax. And then at this point, there's no reason to rush. There's no reason to push through and make these big moves immediately because we're not running for a championship this year. We're not even really running for the playoffs. So we might as well just 
hold our horses, be a little patient, be a little smart about it and, and wait until we get into the summer and, and there's more opportunity that's available. There's better, you know, we don't want to just make a trade for the sake of making a trade that doesn't get us any closer to where we want to be. And, and sometimes, you know, you look at the availability of what's there that fits with what we have to trade. And, and I think sometimes that people are so anxious for a trade and I get it. I understand, but also like, we don't want to do stupid things because we're hasty about it. We want to take our time, especially because we're not looking at a championship this year. We want to take our time and we want to be cautious and we want to make sure that we're making a move that makes sense for this team, for Damian Lillard and for chasing a championship next year. I generally agree. I mean, there are two things, I suppose, that are happening that are always worth mentioning, and especially so over the last couple of weeks since we've talked. Number one, Yusuf Nurkic. Now, he has had a couple of tough games in the last two. Uh, he's been dimmed a little bit. I think opposing centers have been able to take him out. No, in one game. Chicago game, opposing center kind of outplayed him and took him out of the game. Oklahoma City, they double teamed him, which, hey, uh, first indicative that Portland's guards are injured, right? Because that would never happen if you had healthy Damian Leathered and uh, C.J. McCollum on the floor together. But uh, Oklahoma City sent extra men against Nurkic, which meant that he's getting respect and the league is catching up to how good he is. When he's been good, he's been a multi-tool player. He's hit the face-up jumper. He's had good footwork in the post. He's gotten offensive rebounds and putbacks. He's also been rebounding at his usual exemplary level. And he's been passing, which is a key. You see four or five assists going on there, and you go, wow, that's the icing on the cake. Nurkic has really had a nice game here. And that's happened more than once. So Nurk deserves some credit. Obviously, he's being utilized more than he usually has been. And that his argument that you should be using me is holding water. The question is, is that ever going to happen if this team is all the way healthy, especially if you don't move one of the quadrangle of Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Anthony Simons, and Norman Powell? Yeah, well, and I think that there's an interesting, that's an interesting conversation to be had right now, because now, you know, there was a thing that came out talking about how um, Nurk said that he was told that he wouldn't be moved and CJ wouldn't be moved, that they were still going to kind of build around this. I think it was with Quick. I think Jason Quick released this for the Athletic, and it was talking about how the, the plan is still to build around Dame and CJ and Nurk. And that, that I think is shocking. Um, after all, and maybe it shouldn't be shocking, but I guess when when we got rid of Neil and and made some adjustments and things, I really thought, okay, this is going to be it. We're going to make some moves. It's not going to be the same team. But when you build around Dame, CJ, and Nurk, and you still have Norman Powell's contract, you don't want to get rid of Anthony Simons, which they've made very clear. The you you what are you doing? You're essentially running it back. With the same, you know, okay, so we we move Robert Covington and that's the big move. It just, it's it's a tricky situation when you say you're going to build around essentially the same people that you've been building around that it hasn't worked with. And I, look, I love Nurk and I especially love CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum is one of my favorite players in the entire NBA. I will root for that man till the day he leaves the NBA and, and beyond that for his success after he retires. But this roster isn't working. We're not getting where we need to be with this roster. So why on earth are we going to sit here and say we're going to run it back with essentially the same roster? That is it's, it's insanity. This is the definition of insanity, and we're just doing it. Yeah, a couple things. First of all, even though Neil Olshay was at the head of the organization and gets all the credit and or blame, he didn't build this alone. The people underneath them, the scouts and the organization also bought in. Uh, So it's not impossible that the players that Olshay likes are also players that Cronin approves of. But also, that article was really positive toward Yusuf Nurkic, and fine, none of it was untrue, but there was a certain slant to that, and it could absolutely line up with the future of what happens with Nurk. Um, It could also be kind of to everyone's advantage, Nurkic's, his agent's, the teams to have him pumped up at that moment. Not that opposing GMs read articles and make their decisions that way, but still, you know, you get the idea. I would say solving the problem of touches is the biggest part of that. 
also obviously the defense. But the one that's going to overshadow it all is how much is that team going to cost? Obviously, you got Dame and CJ's contracts already huge. You got Norman Powell. You know how much he makes, uh, and it's not small. Uh, and then, I mean, Anthony Simons is he making fifteen, sixteen million based on how much someone believes in him? I mean, you got to think it's at least twelve. That would probably be an easy, a reasonable price for Simons. You want to keep him no matter what at that price. But then, what's Nurkic making? He's making 15 now, I think, and he's grumpy because he didn't make enough on his last contract. He's not going to undersign this one. He's playing really well, so he's going to start making demands. Is it 17, 18, 19? Now, all of a sudden, you've added another $30 million to the 36 that you're paying you know, CJ and the 38 that you're paying Dame or whatever it is. You're $100 million with four players. That's not even counting Norman Powell. So you got five yeah. players, and you're 100 and what, 15, $120 million? And you need yeah. seven more players. <laughs> uh, yep. So that's that. That would and boggle seven mind. more players that are going to make a difference. You can't just sign minimum contracts for those because we need guys that can build around those players that are already existing, and you can't do that with what's left. Well, you got Larry Nance Jr. and obviously, uh, and you have uh, Nasir Little still. Nasir is at a reasonable price. Larry Nance is at a good price, but together they're what fifteen? I'm doing this by memory, folks. But together they're probably yeah. sixteen million, seventeen million. Not sure. But but and, and the- now you're you're at luxury tax with just that lineup. And here's the critical question: What track record of success does this lineup have, other than that run in 2019, which was without Nurk, by the way? You don't have any history of success with this. It's never worked. So you're luxury taxing yourself for a lot of names that haven't played together in a way that produces consistent wins. Yeah, it's just, it does not make sense. It would be a dumb thing to do. Now, I'm not saying that this stuff needs to all be worked out by the deadline. I think by the deadline, we get under the repeater's tax and leave it at that and and then deal with the big moves for, you know, the summer when there's some more availability. But unless something really good and perfect comes along, if something really good and perfect comes along between now and February, then then obviously you do that. But it doesn't, it just, you know, they're, they keep, they're keeping rumors about different guys they're going after and then those guys end up hurt. <laughs> it's like, I, I mean, I, I just, it doesn't make any sense. You've got, you've got Ben Simmons now who is, Maury's, you know, held this ransom for him. And now the Sacramento Kings who were, I kind of think kind of at the front, they were kind of the front runners there. They've pulled out and said they're no longer interested. So there's still some talk swirling about maybe him coming. Um, but at this point, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know that that's even a good move at this point. I, I think I could get on board with it. I think it could be a good thing, but I'm not sure it's the kind of thing that you, I, I don't think you give him what he wants for Simmons. I think Simmons, Ben Simmons. Yes. I, Simmons and Simons always throw yes. me. Um, yes. I don't think you give him what he want, what he's asking for. I think it's too steep of a price. And so at that point, like we're we're not really in a position to do that. I just it just seems like to me, I know that fans want to see change and want to see big change and want to see big moves. And I get that. I do, too. But I think we have to be responsible and reasonable and understand that sometimes the rushed move isn't the right move. Sometimes just making a move for the sake of making a move ends us up in bigger trouble later on down the road. If Simmons is available at the deadline, you still do it for anyone not named Lillard. I mean, unless unless you really, really want to bring Anthony Simmons back and you insist upon that. Uh, but if you're not going to outbid or match the bid of whoever is running free agency for other teams, you, you even throw him in there now uh, if you don't forecast being able to afford him. If that's attractive enough, that the Sixers now think, okay, this is going to push us over the top and make us true contenders or front runners in the East. They might do that, and the Blazers should do that. I don't foresee that happening, but that's the that's the opening. If it gets to summer bidding, that might be more problematic. Although at that point, Simmons won't have played for an entire year. Yeah. I mean, at some point, that's got to impact your value. Uh, and you want to see something from this guy, uh, not just are you physically in shape, are you in rhythm, but are you 
mentally there? Are you prepared to resume this career for that big of a contract? You've got to be not just kind of there. You've got to be all the way there. So I, I think Simmons' value actually drops the farther this goes along. So there's an opening in the summer, too, that the Blazers would consider. And here's the thing. This brings up a point. Luxury tax isn't calculated to the end of the year. So if the Blazers do get under the repeater tax by a minor trade at the deadline, they do have some luxury to re-sign some of their players with an eye on those being trading chips during the season. That's a risky strategy because that doesn't always work out, especially if a player gets injured. But there might be an argument, for instance, to re-signing Yusuf Nurkic instead of letting him go, as long as you have a reasonable expectation that someone gets moved during the year to get you back to a reasonable salary level. Yeah, I, to back to your point about Anthony Simons, I mean, I, I tend to be in the camp of if we can keep him, keep him. Um, because what's happening here is right now, I know we have a lot of guards right now. I, I understand that. But what we also have is a lot of guards that are nearing the end of their prime. And Anthony Simons is someone who's developing well. He's playing well with this team. I think if you can keep him, you keep him because the alternative is you have to go back and try to get someone else to fill that position when you've already got him on your roster. So to me, if, if you can keep him, you keep him. But I, I tend to agree at this point. There are very few people on this team that I think are untradeable. And by very few, I pretty much mean Damian Lillard. Short of that, everybody needs to be in the discussion. Um, and even, even I, I mean, look, even with Dame, I, I, I am not saying he needs to be in the discussion. I don't think he does because of all the things we've talked about before. You have to be willing to let anybody else go. And, and Dame, the reason that you don't let him go is because he doesn't want to, quite frankly. Uh, everything else, uh, you know, it, we're at the point right now where what we're doing isn't working. And we've been trying to do the same thing for years and years and years and years with very small moves in between. And it's not working and it's not going to, that's not going to change. So just, ah, I don't know. I keep thinking about the Suns and how bad they were and how they made some, some front office moves. And then within a few years, we're fighting for a championship. I keep thinking about that. And I keep thinking about the fact that like, if we could make some moves here and do some things and kind of blow up the team, there might be, and I don't even think you have to blow up the team, but I think that you have to be willing to, I think that you have to be willing to hear those conversations and, and hear those options of who you could make a trade with. I don't, I don't think you can shut down a possibility because it includes Anthony Simons. I don't think you can shut down a possibility because it includes Nasir Little. I don't think you can, I don't think you can do that. Even though I like those guys, I don't want to see them go. I think you have to hear those things out. And, and that's where I think we need to be. And I, I don't know that we are. Well, here's the thing with Simons. If you forecast keeping Simons, here's the question. What guard are you going to trade? And maybe what two guards are you going to trade? Because there's really not room. I mean, there's a fantasy world in which, I guess, Damon CJ or Damon Norm stay, and Anthony Simons becomes the Vinnie Microwave Johnson super sub and comes off the bench and just dominates the game and scores like crazy and then goes and sits. But here's the thing. The guy probably deserves more minutes than that, and... Lillard and whoever is playing starting shooting guard is not going to give up more minutes than that, probably. Now, Dame's aging, so maybe you can forecast that a few more will become available. But if you have Damian Lillard on your team, you don't want to pay him, play him 28 minutes a game. That's just not reasonable. So Simons is not going to flourish unless he has open space in front of him. And that open space can only come if you trade away other players. So, yeah. I mean, it's an either-or proposition to me. So when you say keeping Simons, like, basically everybody should tell me who, who you're going to lose. Yeah, I, I think at this point we're looking at letting go of CJ. Again, I like CJ, but we've we've done the CJ Dame thing for how long now? And it, it's just not it's not doing it. And, and now that's not to say that I don't think it could. And I would love to, I would love, there is nothing I would love more than to see Dame and CJ win a championship together. But if you're going to do that, you're essentially getting rid of the rest of the team and building a completely different way of doing things around those two players. You have to have solid, the other three 
players on that starting lineup, you have to have solid defense. You have to have solid height. You have to shift the way that they're doing things in order for that to work. When you've got two short, small, it's not short, they're not short, but two smaller guards who don't play a lot of defense, the rest of your starting lineup has to be able to make up for that. And we don't have that right now with what we have. So you would have to dramatically change the makeup of that roster in order to accommodate Damon CJ and with Damon CJ's contracts being as big as they are. And, and with what else we have, I just, I don't know if that's doable. I would love it. Here's the scenario in which that works. Okay. This is the exact scenario. I think in which you play chicken with the luxury tax and you Keep, take back all your assets. You pay or overpay Nurkic to come back. You match Simon's salary. It's going to be an insane number. But then you trade those people for the front court that and the bench that you need. That Those people will not be the front court and bench that you need, but you can't get the front court and bench that you need without assets to trade for them. So that's what you do. You, you bring everybody back and pray that you can make those moves and you don't get stuck. I mean, God forbid they would have another injury year like this year and they're paying, you know, 140 million or 150 million to uh, the lineup that they think they're going to be able to turn into the winning lineup. And it turns out they can't trade any of them. Uh, that's going to be, that's going to take the interim off of your GM tag really quick. And it's not going to be, be full GM. It's going to be former, right? So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if ownership would be even be able to risk or willing to risk it, but no. that would be, that would be the move you make because you have to move now. If it's Damon CJ and that's what you're doing, you you have to go now. You cannot yeah. wait for three years down the road. It's not going to work. So get all your assets, make those moves right now, pray they're available. But I think that the risk of that strategy is just incomprehensible to me. Yeah, but it would be fun. <laughs> it would be if if they could pull that off somehow and bring back Dame and CJ together and build around that t- a team that could win that would be so cool it would be fun if they if they could do it but the big question mark question mark question mark between step 1 step 2 and profit is can you make those trades first of all can you make any trades and second of all can you bring back the right players with those trades in order to bolster that backcourt and they've been trying it now for the better part yeah. of a decade and they still haven't got it right i just think that that probably won't happen but that i suppose is your high risk move this roster it's just a rorschach test like this player he's really good this player he's really good this player yeah. he's pretty good all together not good <laughs> like well, and it's so really, what do you it's see really- it's really kind of a shame because I feel like the fact that it's been this way, like you're exactly right. If you take any of these players and set them aside and look at what they've done individually or how they play individually, they're really good players. We have a lot of talent on this roster, but I almost feel like the fact that they've been together and they've been playing the way that they have almost lowers their value because people are looking at this and they're like, well, it's not working instead of looking at like CJ, for instance, who is a very skilled, talented player. And, and I feel like because he's been on the Blazers for so long and the Blazers have struggled so hard to build a a competent team around him, it, it almost lowers what other people see as his value. And this is why I've said so many times in the past, like, CJ is more valuable to the Blazers than he is to a lot of other teams because he does a lot for us, even though it's not getting us to where we need to be. He's always one of our high scorers. He he really contributes a lot to the team. But because of how this has gone, that value is not being seen by other teams necessarily. And so I think it's really a shame when you when you think about this, because, again, you've got all these guys who are really talented, really skilled players when they stand alone or in the right lineup, but in our, in our roster altogether, it's just not meshing and it's just not working. So we should talk about CJ a little bit. He's come back and he's now well into the fold. He's had some actually really good scoring games yeah. masked just slightly by Anthony Simon's huge month. But as Anthony has struggled over the last couple games, CJ has still flourished and he's shooting efficiently. Uh, his game looks great. I think that were he not such a prolific scorer in the past, so you're not surprised by it, 
And were he not compared to Damian Lillard, he would legitimately be, he would have jaws on the floor in Portland. He does in other places. Uh, if you watch the analysis or the reaction to what CJ does, people shake their heads and go, this guy's an assassin. This guy is, the term that's usually used is, this guy's a professional scorer. And he is. There is no doubt about it. And he's got any range, any time. He doesn't like to drive and get the layup or get contact, but he can score from anywhere, really. So I think he does have that value. I think opposing GMs will notice it. And I think they will notice it when specifically when he came back. I do not think it's necessarily CJ's fault that his production is not turning into winning. He could probably produce 10 more points a game, and still that would not end up to winning for the Blazers right now. But I think that he does have value in the right situation or to the right team. And I think that, I mean, there are trades that balance out rosters. I mean, I keep going back to Boston. I know people are going to go, well, Boston doesn't need another no defending scorer. Okay, true. But if they trade away one of those forwards, either in that CJ deal or in another deal, CJ could actually fit really well in that system. And I could see them being attracted to him. Uh, I don't know about Miami. Miami has a different culture, but they might think that CJ could, uh, you know, adjust to it. Uh, there are other, t- I could, t- gosh, CJ would be a Dallas Mavericks acquisition all over the place. I mean, they they thrive on players like him. Now, whether he can play with Luka Doncic any more than he can play with Damian Lillard is up to debate. But that's never concerned Mark Cuban. He's just out there, you know, get the best guy available. There are other teams, right? There are other places where CJ could be a legitimate asset. I don't think it's for the lack of desire or, or attractiveness that CJ would not be traded. I think it's for the contract. I think it's for maybe the one-dimensional thing a little bit because he's developed that reputation in Portland, primarily because there are other players who don't defend around him too. But I think it's also because what's the right player coming back for Portland? And that the eye of that needle has been so narrow that other teams haven't been able to put together a package to make that make sense. Yeah, CJ CJ is a solid player. And I, I think, you know, that's especially over the last couple of years, he's improved so much. Um, and, and he's so consistent. He's so consistently a good player. He's one of those players that, I mean, obviously he has a, a, a bad night here and there, but he's just a consistent player. Um, and, and that's, that's, that's valuable. Um, and like you said, you know, when, when Ant was struggling, CJ wasn't, and he tends to do that when someone else is struggling, CJ picks up that slack. Here's my question. Uh, columnist in New Orleans, forget his name, sorry, Sutherland or something like that, floated a possibility of CJ to the Pelicans for rando young players and draft picks. And let's just pretend. Let's pretend that New Orleans would give one unprotected lottery pick for CJ. And then, but what you're going to get back in players is not great. Uh, It's going to put depth on the lineup, let's, let's say that. But you're going to get back not your number two scorer. You're going to get back fifth, sixth, seventh guys. And an unprotected lottery pick, maybe a protected pick down the road. I don't know. Um, But would you do that? Considering the Pelicans are probably making the lottery this year. I mean, they're probably, that would give you potentially two lottery picks in this draft. I, I know that picks are valuable. I know that that's something necessary, especially for us who have struggled to keep them. <laughs> um, but I, it's really, really, really hard for my brain to process the idea of taking a player that we know, we know how he works in the NBA, we know how consistent he is in the NBA, and trading that for players that we don't know how they're going to be in the NBA. That's a struggle for me. I'm, I'm much more likely to say, we'll trade you for this already established NBA player than for I, that's hot. And that's not necessarily smart. This is a downfall for me. I struggle with this because, and I think partly because we've had guys that we've thought were going to be such great picks um, going into it. And then they've just been, they've just fallen short. And I think when you have a guy like CJ, and again, I know we need to move him most likely because of what we just talked about. But when you have a guy like CJ and you're going to trade that known, <clears throat> you know, we, we know him, we know how he performs. We know he's going to contribute. If you're going to trade away a known contributor 
for something just really unknown, I struggle with that. I don't know that that's the right answer in all honesty, because I feel like those picks are really crucial. And I think that this is going to be a good draft class. So it, it might be a valuable opportunity, but that, that would scare me. I don't know that I'd say no, but it would scare me. I think you're right. Most times, I think you're right in the growth arc of this team with Damian Lillard. In fact, I would argue the same thing, except for this. We do know how Anthony Simons plays in the NBA. We do know how Norman Powell plays in the NBA. And those would be the people replacing CJ. So in essence, you trade for moving them into the shooting guard spot. Now, who did those lottery picks? Probably Portland's own uh, and also hopefully New Orleans. Who do those lottery picks replace? Uh, Norman Powell at small forward uh, and Nasir Little is a possibility. I don't, don't replace him, but augment Nasir Little. Whoever you got playing power forward or Yusuf Nurkic at center if you trade him. An empty center spot if you or if you lose Nurkic. I shouldn't say trade him, but if you just lose him at the end of the year. An empty center spot or whoever's playing power forward right now, which won't be Covington next year, might be Nance Jr., who knows. Or whoever's playing small forward right now, would I want a lottery pick to replace any of those eventualities? Oh, yeah. I'd dance up and down for that. So the idea of perhaps getting two of them and getting two serviceable forwards or centers, that's actually kind of exciting. And yeah. Portland has the freedom to do that specifically because of who else they have on their roster right now. That's true. That's true. You know, I guess I'm thinking of it as a direct trade, but really it's more like one of those little annoying puzzles that you have to shift the squares and there's one square missing and you have to move them all until they make a picture and it's almost impossible. It's a little more like that. Yeah, kind of. Now, your your first sense is right, though. You are trading CJ for those picks and you may end up looking bad in the long run. But also in the long run, let's say you judge it five years later. Okay, how old is CJ five years from now? He's 35. Would you, would you still want him? Probably not. Also, would you have won a championship with him? Probably not. So that cost ends up being not much, even if the players don't end up rising to CJ's level. But you know what? Two shots at that lottery, like getting into the top three, is not bad. And uh, two shots at even if you don't is not horrible when you talk about, hey, let's let's get a couple of young players in here. Maybe they won't be stars, but I can fill up my front court with them. And, you know, they can learn on the tree of Dame. Uh, Chauncey Billups can maybe teach them something and they can play alongside a veteran in Nurkic or Nance Jr. or whoever you decide to keep. Uh, Nasir Little fills small forward spot and gives you added depth. I could see that, and I could see that working better than keeping everyone. I don't know if New Orleans would do it, but if if they would unprotect a lottery pick for that scorer, I think the Blazers should do it. Man, it's going to be interesting to see that you know we've got this trade deadlines coming up, so we should have answers here shortly. We've got also some interesting All Star stuff happening. The All Star break is coming up. Uh, the starters were announced. Obviously, uh, Damian Lillard was not part of that. Andrew Wiggins was, though. Oh, boy. Like Andrew Wiggins. I mean, who would have predicted that three years ago? He used to be, and I called him this. uh, So did a couple other Blazers Edge people. Like, he was one of the worst contracts in the NBA. He was one of the least tradable contracts in the NBA. And it just shows you the system in Golden State. He's gone from that in a couple years to all-star starter. Like, figure that out. Good for him, man. What a, what a, what an accomplishment to be sitting there and, and getting that. And, and because, you know, he, he knows that it's not a surprise to him. And, and there's been plenty of people talking about it. So good for him. Um, no Damian Lillard in the starters. I don't think that's a surprise, especially with his injury and, and the way things have been going this year. I don't think that's a surprise at all. Uh, Ant is not going to be in the dunk contest. I, uh, he basically said he didn't feel the need to, to come after his, to maintain his title that, you know, he, it was kind of a bucket list item for him and he checked it off. And, and quite frankly, I agree. I think, you know, when you go out a winner, you know, if, if he goes back and tries to defend that title and loses, that's kind of a bummer. So, you know, you go in, you do the dunk contest, you win, you walk away and and you call it good and, and let some other people compete. I am a little bummed that Greg Brown didn't get into it. I didn't really anticipate that he would, but I think he would have been really, really fun to watch doing that. Yeah. Here's the question. 
Will Damian Lillard make it as a reserve? Man, I don't know. I, I really think if, if, if he had not ended up having that surgery, I would say, yeah, he probably will. But I think that when he had that surgery and he took a step back, I think people kind of stopped. Because that was still kind of during the voting. Well, and I think people cut coaches, at the end. Coaches name the, or vote for reserves, though, right? So, Do I they? mean, yeah. The, so, will the coaches name him an all-star reserve? It's tricky because it, they, they shouldn't. And I say this as someone who loves Damian Lillard and thinks he's a wonderful player and voted like crazy for him. But re- in reality, they shouldn't because as of this year, he hasn't played enough to be an all-star, in my opinion. In my opinion, there is a whole league full of players who have played the entirety of this season who really should have that spot. That being said, you know, Dame has a reputation. He he did have some good play time before this injury. So it, it's possible, you know, it, it's possible that he could. There's a certain point of view that says he missed some all-star games earlier in his career that he should get paid back for. There's also the point of view that says, even though he's shooting career low percentages, he was surging before he took the time off or got the surgery. And also um, he's still putting up all-star numbers clearly. I mean, even at his, at his worst, he's still yeah. worthy of all-star consideration. But there's also the gamer aspect of this going, you know, you pretty well know he's not going to play, right? He can't very well come back, play in the all-star game, and then not play for the Blazers. So right. you can name him knowing it's a no-risk no, percentage yeah. because he's going to be replaced, and then uh, the commissioner gets to name a replacement. So, That's true. I mean, th- there's that a lot happen. of ways it could it could go. So, But you think he won't be? Yeah, I kind of think he just because of the way that the season's gone and the fact that he hasn't, first of all, he had a rough start to the season. And even though he came out doing really well leading up to that surgery, then he's been out and and he's been out for a while. And I think there are a lot of other standouts this year that really will take that. And so I don't know, it's going to I think it's probably going to feel a little like a snub if he doesn't. But I also feel like it's fair and I think he would even maybe say that. I don't know. I can't speak for him. But it just from what I know of him, I don't think he'd be upset by it. I think it wouldn't be shocking. Um, but I do like what you said. I think it would be, you know, they could name him to that, knowing full well that he's not going to play and someone else is going to get that opportunity anyway. All right, let's do this. Uh, if he doesn't make it, which is what you, you say, right? If he mm-hmm. doesn't make it, I have to spend a week eating only Dia dinners, meaning you tell me your recipe. I mean, this is like school lunch hamburger bun playing with a, with a patty or whatever it is that you eat your kindergarten food, basically. Uh, and then, but if he does make it, whenever we end up in the same place, be that for Blazers Edge Night or whenever COVID allows, uh, I, get to, I get to take you for very mild, tame sushi and you'd like eat a piece of it. Just a piece. Very tame. I won't I won't be mean. I'm not gonna get you exotic stuff, but just like one one little piece of a roll that has very tame ingredients on it. All right, fair. Okay. So you wait, does this mean that you think he will be named to it? Yeah, I'll say he will, if nothing else to uh go against you. And then you <laughs> say he won't, and we'll see which uh, God, All right. you could just shoot me if I have to eat like chicken sandwiches with no zingy mayo or something like that so i eat, you, I, eat, I eat a lot of egg salad and, and oh oh egg salad okay egg salad to me is road trip gas station food because i don't trust like their lunch meat and stuff so it's like three o'clock in the morning and i'm driving all night and what the heck okay i'll have an egg salad sandwich and not look at the calories but yeah you know what my favorite snack right now is it's actually healthy i i do eat some healthy stuff okay uh I love those mini sweet peppers. Oh yeah. But but dip, there's this it's called I think it's called borgin. It's like B O U R S I N cheese. It's yeah, like yeah, this yeah. Mm-hmm. Familiar with it. We have those here. If I'm in that. Okay. Oh my gosh, so good. I love that. Okay, here's my thing, Trader Joe's fans. I've discovered this. First of all, their three-layer hummus is awesome. It's a little spicy because one of those layers is uh, jalapenos and stuff. But it's a different texture than most hummuses, and it's got more of a nice flavor. Like, hummus either is over-processed and, like, kind of too oily, like that, like a slick, or it's really, like, you know, you didn't shave your legs 
kind of granola. And both of those are gross. Sorry, that was sexist as heck. But, uh, you know, that's it's just <laughs> ew. Uh, but, uh, sorry, that's still sexist. I'm not making it better. Let me move on here. The three-layer hummus is perfect texture, perfect taste, uh, perfect whatever. And Trader Joe's also has what they call uh, veggie chips, which is which are just potatoes curved almost like a seashell or like a pasta shell. And they're baked. So you dip that in the hummus and eat it. And it's really good. And I haven't gone to Trader Joe's much, but we did uh, over break. And it was it was just delicious, life-changing. In fact, I want it right now. And Trader Joe's is closed. Dang. Well, before we close, we have to talk about one. I guess it's two more things, but it kind of ropes into each other. So we will see about the All-Star Game. We will update you all. You will all know in real time what's happening here. But um, two big injuries that we need to talk about. I hate to end it on this note, but we have Cody Zeller who underwent surgery. Um, and I, he's not expected to be out the whole season from what I know. I think he's expected to come back. But Nasir Little uh, suffered a, a pretty bad injury this week. Um, he had surgery that was successful, and they are saying he will be out for the remainder of the season, which is such a bummer because Nasir Little just came out this season ready to, you know, just fight his way to the top. And he was, we were seeing really good games from him. He was really playing well. And so it's such a blow to see that happen. And I, you cannot convince me that this team does not have some kind of a curse on them when it comes to injuries. You just, you can't convince me. I'm convinced. Maybe, but honestly, Cody Zeller being injured is not Cody Zeller being injured. It's Cody Zeller being Cody Zeller. And God bless him. Cody, I love your... When you have been on the floor, I have paid attention and I have liked everything I've seen. So, yeah, yay, Cody Zeller. At the same time, we can't ignore that he just hasn't played much because he gets injured in various ways. And I don't know if it's snake bit or I don't know what's up, but we called this when the season started, when they got Zeller and Nance Jr. and said, these guys need to stay healthy and they really haven't before. And guess what? They aren't this year either. So there we go. Nasir Little, you're right, absolutely hurts because this was a developmental year for him. This was a confidence year. This is a coming out year. Uh, And he absolutely has done all three. I mean, he has stepped onto the stage and he's stroking his three-pointer and shooting it with confidence. Uh, his percentage is not stellar yet, but he's he's shooting it like it's going to be. His defense has stayed aggressive, but it's been controlled and in the system. He's making fewer and fewer mistakes. And through all of it, he's been on, I think of him like surfing. He's playing on the crest of the wave. He's playing just where you want that surfboard to be if you were surfing that wave. He... He's not getting behind it like a lot of young players do, and it passes him by, and he has no momentum. He's not being too aggressive, and he gets ahead of the wave and falls. He's just kept it in that zone, and he was having a heck of a run. And now, oh, shoulder, you know, chest bump, torn labrum, out for the season. It's also a huge loss to Portland's defense because he was connecting together with Covington and connecting together with Nurkic and actually making it work. They were playing the passing lanes. They were generating turnovers. They were starting to develop the little seeds of an identity, a defensive identity, which are two words we have not put together in the Portland lexicon since 2000. And all of a sudden, it's gone. And the Blazers are permeable again on defense. It's just not working. Chicago absolutely destroyed them. Uh, Oklahoma City scored on them, which Oklahoma City scores on nobody. Dallas also made mincemeat of them. It's just, I can't even tell you how disappointing. This may be the most disappointing injury of the season, and that includes Dame. Yeah, it's really a blow. It really is, especially to see a a guy like that who's, who's in that, he's in that time frame where this is kind of make it or break it for him. Like he's really coming into his own and really finding his place here and, and fighting for his place here. And so um, I hope we, again, you know, we talked earlier, I think everybody's name needs to be on the table, but I hope we get to keep him. I hope we get to see him for another season after all of this, because I, I really enjoyed watching him fight his way to the top. And I hope we get to see more of that. Yeah, well, I'm sure he's going to come back as Nasir Little. That's the thing, is that 
the team was developing an identity around him because he had developed his identity. And it, it all happened this season. The timing was right. The situation was right. When Nasir Little steps onto the floor now, you know who Nasir Little is. And that is a huge development for a player of his tenure and a player of his abilities. And I am so impressed. I mean, I, I cannot tell you. Now, whether he turns out to be a superstar or not, eh, that's beside the point. How many players don't get there? How many players can't do it, even though they're super talented? Uh, either because they're not in the right situation or they just don't quite have that package put together. Nasir Little does with very little uh, experience and ramp up time comparatively love it and uh, will miss seeing him on the floor yeah absolutely we wish both of them and everybody else that we have recovering just speedy fast healthy recoveries and and you know we're looking forward i personally am looking forward to you know the end of this season and next season when we get to start seeing them come back and and be part of this team again so absolutely yeah. well it's good to be back yeah, it was. I, I I always miss this when when we don't do it. I'm well. I say I always miss it. You know, missed we've it the done one, one time. I yeah. missed it the one time we didn't do it. I really missed it. I mean, sixty three <laughs> weeks in a row. I mean, that's uh, that's a lot of yeah, weeks. So it is. Uh, I mean, I guess I guess both you and I have missed episodes before, and just somebody else has filled in. So I can't true. say. Oh, I always, you miss me? Yeah. Oh wow! Did you yeah. hear that? You guys hit record on that. Make sure you play that back. <laughs> That's the nicest thing Dia's ever said to me. Oh, okay. So with that, we got to end the podcast on that note. Uh, for Dia Miller, I am Dave Deckard, and we will see you again next week for episode 65, ready for our pension benefits. And all that. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here now to you. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent. <laughs>